Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> I'm so happy to join with you. It's a beautiful winter's day here on Deer Isle, Maine, and the um, the cove is freezing over, even though it's tidal. Uh, it's uh, We've got a lot of ice out there. It's been quite cold and nippy, and that's just how it's supposed to be in the wintertime, so I don't mind it. And... Uh, yeah, I'm excited today. We have a guest, my dear friend. Uh, I also think of him as a teacher of mine, and I've learned a lot from him. And uh, a collaborator of mine, we have the wonderful John Mundy joining us. Welcome, John. Hi, Jennifer. Nice to be with you. Yeah, so great to be able to join together. And uh, I'm going to start us off with a prayer, as I always do. So I'm going to invite everyone to just place their hand on their hearts, and we take a breath here together, lifting ourselves up in gratitude, so grateful and so thankful for this opportunity to come together and transcend time and space to remember and recognize the truth of our being, which is that we're already perfect, we're already whole, we're already complete. Gosh darn it, we're already as holy as holy can be. And so we partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self, that perfect wisdom that we already are. And we recognize the flow of our divinity. We are grateful and thankful to consciously attuned to the power of decision that is ours. We have the power to decide for love. We have the power to decide for peace. And we are grateful and thankful that this power is alive. It's awake. It's healing. And we are grateful to employ it to decide for love. We are grateful to share the benefits of our loving decisions and choices with everyone because we're one with them. So grateful and thankful to let the healing be. In gratitude, we know it's done, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. amen. Yeah. So for those of you who are new to A Course in Miracles, because we have a lot of people who listen to this program uh, who are not at Course in Miracle students, but just like the program. And uh, of course, we always have new people, new uh, to A Course in Miracles coming in and uh, listening to the broadcast to uh, get their footing in these Course in Miracles teachings. Always happy to have you, whether you're listening on the podcast or uh, live with us here. And uh, so for those of you who don't know, John Mundy is one of the, I think, most prolific authors of books uh, about A Course in Miracles and based in his learning and living A Course in Miracles. Uh, one of his most popular books is Living A Course in Miracles, An Essential Guide to the Classic Text. Uh, a Course in Miracles, uh, A Course in Mysticism and Miracles. John has uh, written a number of books on mysticism, and uh, he has uh, Eternal Life and A Course in Miracles, A Path to Eternity in the Essential Text, and Lesson 101, Perfect Happiness, A Path to Joy from A Course in Miracles, and on and on. So I encourage you to uh, read his books and uh, I'm just going to mention it because it's coming through so strong right now. John is also the editor and publisher of A Course in Miracles magazine, which is a great resource for course students, articles by all kinds of course teachers, including myself and, um, and John. And so just all these wonderful resources and uh, are at, um, 
through the magazine there. So I highly encourage you to subscribe to it. It's really a great, great opportunity to ponder these wonderful teachings with some uh, masterful writers and teachers. And uh, uh, John also hosts the Miracles in Manhattan, which uh, broadcasts live on YouTube uh, once a month. And there's a whole archive at YouTube of those teachings. And people just love those teachings. People love John Mundy. So I just for those of you who don't know about all these wonderful resources, I, I'd like you to, to take advantage of them. And let's dive into our topic today. So, uh, John, you're going to be doing a class that uh, the Power of Love Ministry, my ministry, is hosting. And it's on the, the power of decision, which is uh, a really potent part of the Course in Miracles teachings. I did a three-part radio show on the power of decision. I think it was in 2017. And um, the, the essence of the power of decision is, in many ways, it's like the essence of A Course in Miracles. And what, what is your most basic thought about understanding that power of decision? Well, first of all, let's, I want to use a quote from The Course in Miracles, which is a very powerful quote. And the quote is, the power of decision is your last remaining freedom, freedom as a prisoner in this world. And just that's a very, very powerful. Yeah. Ken Wapnick, <laughs> think about it. <clears throat> There's several interesting, one of the interesting phrases there is prisoner in this world. We can talk a little bit about what that means in a minute. But first of all, Ken Wapnick, who uh, we all regard as the leading teacher of A Course in Miracles, who was the first teacher of A Course in Miracles, who unfortunately left us in this world five years ago. It's hard to believe that it's been five years since Ken passed. But it has been five years. Ken at one point said, the central teaching, and I underline that phrase, the central teaching of A Course in Miracles is that you have a choice. And there's only two choices. Now, that's really right. There's only two choices. So in course terms, there are like, if you will, two voices that are always uh, speaking to us. And one voice that we're really very familiar with is identified in the Course as the ego. And we all kind of know what the ego is. The ego is the it's the part, actually, that we're not. It's the part that, in Course terms, is always making up the world. It's a projection. It says projection makes perception. You know, the world we see is what we make it. So it just depends on what we make it. We're analyzing it. We're interpreting it. We're judging it. We're gooding it. We're batting it, whatever we're doing. But that's a part of the decision-making of the ego. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> there's another choice. And the other choice is to listen to what the Course calls the voice for God, which it describes as the Holy Spirit. Now, I might add that every religion in the world, without exception, has some concept of the Holy Spirit whether it's ancient Zoroastrians called it the Spianta Mianu, the uh, ancient Greeks called it the inner genius. I think it's interesting that Henry David Thoreau, uh, our, our great transcendentalist, called it, also used that phrase, the, the inner genius. Uh, in Judaism, it's called Shehina, which incorporates a kind of nurturing feminine aspect. But there is another voice. And, you know, even like, go back and look at a cartoon from the 1950s. And you got uh, a little angel sitting on one shoulder, uh, whispering into the ear, and then you got the little devil sitting on the other shoulder, <laughs> and yeah. whispering into the ear. You know, we've all been familiar with those cartoons, <clears throat> but that's actually the case in terms of the course, except that only one of these voices is real. Only one of them is true. Uh, the other, the ego is totally made up. We made it up. And mythologically speaking, we made it up as a part of what 
we understand as the separation from God, which occurred, again, mythologically speaking, as a part of the Adam and Eve story. That is, there was some point at which somebody, we'll call them Adam and Eve, there's no real person, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, Adam means man, Eve means woman, so back in the beginning, there's a man and there's a woman, someone who entertains this thought. Now, the thought is that it's possible to be separate from God. In other words, it's possible to think our own thoughts and to create our own worlds and to build our own worlds. Now, that's actually not possible, but just for a moment, you, me, we, (laughs) humanity, mankind, entertain this thought, that we could think a thought, that we would create our own worlds, right? And then, however you want to view historical time, for the past uh, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of years or whatever it is, uh, we've been trying to think this thought. We've been trying to create our own world outside of the mind mm-hmm. of God. And you can't really do it. I mean, we can do it in the sense that we, you know, we, we create uh, buildings and cars and you know, we, we create the external world, right? Mm-hmm. But when you get right down to it, <clears throat> all of that at some point is going to disappear in good part because we're going to disappear. (laughs) The body is going to disappear. So in course terms, the the course says the body is the ego's chosen home. So on an ego level, we really do believe that we're these bodies. But there's no one, actually, who also doesn't realize that the body, well, first of all, we realize that it's ephemeral, that it's got a definite time limit. Mm-hmm. It is gonna, there's going to be an end. And when that ends, then who are you? It says in mm-hmm. Genesis, uh, from dust thou art and to dust thou shalt return. And literally, I mean, and the Course talks about it a little bit. It says, that's it. You know, that's dust. That's, that's all it is. And dust is nothing. But obviously, there's a spirit. There's a soul, we call it the spirit, is a, the, the term that the Course uses primarily, which is very much alive. It's, in fact, is it's the thing which gives us life, because in fact, is you, there's a, a literal sense in which from the moment of the first inhalation <gasps> till the moment of the last exhalation, we say when somebody takes their last breath, they have expired. So they expired. And if you look up the root, meaning of spirit in its original forms etymologically. Among the other synonyms, we have blowing, wind, breath, air. Now, what's interesting about blowing, wind, breath, air is that we can't live without that spirit, without that air, and I mean, you can only live for seconds without air. You can go from... Mm-hmm. That maybe a couple of days or two, you know, you're without water and food, but you can't live for more than seconds or minutes at the most, minutes at the most, without air. And that's just sort of symbolic of the fact that we can't really live without God. We can't live without spirit. We can't live without the... The, the, the line in the Course where it says, the mind is the activating agent of spirit. So we're going to, <clears throat> that takes us back to the mind. So the real question is, what is the mind? And then behind the question of what is the mind is the question, who makes the choices of, in the mind? Who is, we used to jokingly say back in uh, the early days with Kim, uh, who is Charlie the chooser, right? So who's the chooser? Who decides mm. upon what kind of world that I'm going to see? And in the broad sense, there's two ways of seeing. There's, I can see it with peace or I can see it with anger and attack and 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 have an, an unpleasant relationship with the world. I can be constantly judging it and condemning it and analyzing it. Or I can just do what the Course is asking us to do. So it's actually asking us to leave the world alone. <laughs> I mean, mm. to let it be what it is. That's the way we love it. We love it by letting it be what it is. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't do things in the world, especially if you realize that there are places that you can be helpful and handy and offer advice or give money to something or, or um, do counseling. You and I, I'm 
sure we both do quite a bit of counseling. I mean, on the phone, helping people in mm-hmm. that way, and hope you know, helping them, but really come to some sort of insight. So it all comes down to there's two choices: who's Charlie the chooser, and how am I going to choose to see the world? There's a lot of similarities, by the way, between Zen Buddhism and the Course, and the similarity is. The pathways are totally different because they come out of different cultures at different times. But they we're really trying to get down to a place of non a non judgmental mind, to a peaceful mm-hmm. mind, to a quiet mind, <clears throat> to an observing mind. And if you think about it, there really is this point that, that this is really the interesting part. What is who is the observer? Like for example, If you do something that you know is wrong, let's say you make a a very heavy-duty judgment or you tell a lie uh, or you just uh, get angry about something and you know it's a mistake to be doing that, who is it that you... Who's the knower of that? And then also at that point, who can change that? Who can choose to see it differently. All of the beginning exercises in the course, which if anyone started the course doing the workbook lessons on January 1st, all of the initial lessons, and they're really, it it begins with a bang by that. I mean, it begins, some of the hardest lessons in the course are in the very, very beginning. It doesn't start off gentle because it starts off trying to help us uh, to, to see our own level of insanity and then be able to, to sort of stop that. I mean, just to look at it, and then the Course uses the phrase, go the other way. Yeah. So the Course again talks about what it calls um, a reversal in thinking. So what it means is the reversal in thinking is that, <clears throat> well, the Course says we've all, <clears throat> excuse me, we've all been poorly taught. By poorly taught, I mean, it's not, anybody's fault, you know, uh, we were re- we're taught by our parents, by the church, by the school, by society, by morning thing, now by television, right, which is telling us it's vision, right, mm. which is sort of strange that it's it's doing that, and then we can get caught up in that, that world as well and get caught up in something like politics, which is probably best to leave that alone. I'm not going to get into that topic at all because mm. that involves judgment. That involves a lot of kind of judgment. People tend to take sides on one side or the other side. And it's, there's no side is the right side in terms of getting down to the quiet mind, which then can see without the prejudicial point of view. So I've been running on here for a moment. I'll <laughs> take a breath and let you make an observation <laughs> or ask a question. Yeah, what you're saying is so valuable to understand that uh, I uh, there is the knower who knows within that 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 mm-hmm. that that light never goes out. It's always there, and it's really mm-hmm. about developing the habit of turning to it uh, right. rather than in the knee jerk reaction. Um, I remember one year. In uh, Masterful Living, my year-long course, someone said, this year I've decided I'd like my knee-jerk reaction to be compassion, to be love. And Mm, I've just always remembered that. So powerful that we can get out of that uh, reactive and into the conscious decision-making. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. The first step is just to see it, you know. I mean, just to right. see because we do see it, but to be willing to admit it. By by admit it, I mean be willing to say, "Oh, I'm going off course here. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm making some harsh judgments here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may feel justified in this, but I still see that it is a judgment." And then just to stop and to look at it and to watch it, and then and then to let it go, and then and then to go the other way, back to back to peace because peace is there and you're right it's it's always there there's a, a line in the course where it says that I'm, I'm always with you um, Jesus says that in the Gospels but also the Holy Spirit is always with us and it's interesting 
a term that's used in the course is it calls the little spark. And mm-hmm. I like that little spark idea because it's a mm-hmm. little light. If you could think of it kind of like there's a pilot light in the psychic system <laughs> of, of all of us. I love that. <laughs> that. I love that. A pilot light. Yeah, How perfect. There's a pilot light. And not only that, it's a pilot light. <laughs> it's a guiding yeah. light. Yeah, I remember the exactly. old uh, uh, soap opera from back in the 50s, The Guiding Light. Right. <laughs> well, there's a kind of guiding light that's always there, but it's and it can never go out, and it's actually connected to something which the Course calls the the great rays. So, if you just think for a moment about the great rays being the sun, and the little spark being a sunbeam, the thing to do is to be able. By doing this kind of work, you don't have to do the course to do this. Uh, The course is just a a facilitator of a process. It's literally a course. It's a workbook, teacher's manual, etc., which explains the process. But it's very helpful, and it really works. So we just bring that light. It's it's like turning on the gas on the stove. And, you know, it comes into flame instantly. There it is. Well... Mm. Love is like that. You know, love can come into to flame. It can come into our hearts. Any mo- you like that we call that compassion. You know, it's like you see a need, and there's something that's very, this is the most human part of it, which responds to the need and says, oh, you know, I'm, I want to help here. I mean, I, I realize it, and that's the greatest thing that you can do. I mean, the greatest thing you can do in course, it is to help a brother or to help a sister in whatever way that the need presents itself. Did you see on the news this past week there was a a bus driver, a woman driving a school bus, I guess it was, and she sees a toddler out on the street, on mm. the sidewalk, running down the street. I'm talking about a toddler, uh, barefooted in the cold in the winter, and she just immediately stops the bus and runs out and grabs this toddler and picks the toddler up and brings her in. And one of the uh, people on the bus gives her, puts a coat on the child. And I mean, you see a need, you respond to the need, whatever the need is, and you you don't even right. think about it. You know, you don't even think should you or shouldn't you. You just do that. Well, that's that's there, and that can be cultivated as well and and grow in terms of. Uh, the compassion we have for everyone, which is the Course says it's, it's the greatest thing that you can do because you're doing it for yourself because that toddler was her, mm-hmm. that, that the other is me. There is no separation. The Course actually says there's, there is literally no separation between us. Physically, in terms of bodies, yes, but the Course says minds can join Bodies cannot. And that's what happens when we fall in love, actually. <laughs> when we fall in love, is we we join, we become one with, we, we, we become so identified the the mother loves the child instantly. You know, you mm. just you fall in love with her. You know, uh, my wife, our daughter is adopted, and she said that uh, the very moment that Sarah was put into her arms and she looked down into her eyes, she fell in love with her. And that's not, mm. <laughs> not surprising at all. It's the innocence that pulls us in and makes us uh, human. Oh, I've been running on again for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. I love to listen to you. I always get uh, such a, a feeling of clearing when when you're sharing because you've been living these principles for so long. And when um, we're, we're going to have to go to break here. So when we come back, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you some questions about that. And um, okay. we've got a little bit of time before the break. And I would like to share a couple of things. One is uh, I'd just like to say uh, thank you to all the people who uh, have said such kind things about this radio show and written reviews at iTunes and Stitcher and places like that. Your reviews really mean a lot because when the more reviews you write, 
that are positive, the more those podcast outlets will share the show. And um, there's no uh, paid advertising or anything. So the free advertising uh, really helps people to just find that the show exists, that it's out there. And um, another thing that I'd like to bring up that we'll talk about after the break, too, is that uh, John is doing this wonderful class on the power of decision, and you can go to jenniferhadley.com right now, and you can also go to miraclesmagazine.com right now, and you can sign up Lord. for the um, class. And uh, it's starting the on the 24th of January, so he's doing this wonderful class, and we'll we'll ask him about it after the break. So right now, I'd just like to say you're listening to John Mundy. He's our guest. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and you're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're living the love, we're walking the talk, and we'll be right back after this break. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and my guest today is John Mundy, and we're talking about the power of decision, which is the topic of a new class that he is offering starting January 24th. And uh, again, you can go to jenniferhadley.com on the events page, or you can go to miraclesmagazine.com and um, sign up for the class uh, if you or read more about it. And um, while we're on this topic, John, what are some of your goals for the class? What, what, what's inspiring you to offer this class right now? Well, keep in mind what the, what the name of the class is, the power of decision. So what we really want to look at is to, to recognize the power that we have to make the right decision. So the course talks about what it calls right-minded thinking and wrong-minded thinking. So we really want to really look at when we're in what the course would call our, our wrong mind, which is the the ego mind of belief in sin and guilt and fear and identifying that and then to to be aware of this other mind which we can which we already as we said a moment ago we we're already very much a part of and begin to become aware of the inner guidance. The inner guidance is always there. Many years ago one of my other books we is called Listening to Your Inner Guide. And it's possible to know to see when things are working synchronistically to see when we're being loving, to see, we, we can see, it's easier to see when we're in ego because we know more about ego. We don't actually in the long run, but in, it looks like we do on the surface of things. But one of the things that the Course asks us to do, by the way, is, and we talked about this last, my last class in New York City on Sunday, was about the atonement and doing shadow work. And shadow work means just being able to look and think, if there's anything that's going wrong in my life, uh, my health issue, relationship issue, financial mm -hmm. issue, that rather than blaming that on the other person or on the world, to look and think, what is my part in this? What is my responsibility in this? There's a, <clears throat> a section in the course that I've actually asked all of my students in New York to to memorize. It's uh, chapter 21, section 2. It's just four, three, three lines, actually, but four ideas. And we really want everyone to look at, and I'll, I'll just repeat these four ideas, and anybody who mm. wants to look it up in the course can, uh, chapter 21, section 2, right at the be very beginning. And it just says, this is all you need to do for happiness, vision, and complete escape from sin, all to be given you. I'm just saying this from memory now. Say only this. It's interesting that the, 
<laughs> and then it has the phrase, but mean it. But mean this with no reservation. Now here's what you're asked to say, and we'll be talking about each one of these sentences or phrases in some detail. The first one is, I am responsible for what I see, period. Bang. I am responsible for what I see. means everything. So it's like when I, I you know, had cancer uh, 17 mm. years ago, uh, 18 years ago now. And at the time I got it, I thought, and I got the diagnosis, I never thought I would get cancer. That was the last thing from my mind. But at the time I got it, I thought, well, you got this, so you're responsible. I mean, you know, you... <laughs> and I didn't even realize. I didn't think about the fact, but why why have I gotten cancer? And then I realized that we were going through some difficulties at my church in New York City at the time. There was a kind of a, there's no reason to go into it, let's just say a little political squabble. Let's just call it that. You know, that was kind of going on, hierarchical stuff. And I had let that get to me more than I had thought that I had let that get to me. And that so that was... It had taken the peace of mind away from me for a while. Mm. So we went up, we were kind of, yeah, but see, I didn't see that in the beginning. I thought, well, I'm handling this just fine. Now, no, you weren't handling it just fine because you were just <laughs> handling it just fine. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Things might be a little different than they are now, right? Mm. So, but I'm responsible for what I see. And that means everything. It, it doesn't mean that you create the situation in the world. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you, you create that accident, for example, but, but you are responsible for how you you handle it. You're responsible for what, what your response is to it. I'm mm-hmm. responsible for what I see. That's number one. Two, and this is really important, I choose the feelings I experience. Now, that was one that probably when we do the class, we can go into in some detail because I'm, I'm, I choose the feelings I experience. So if I'm choosing the, the, the feelings I experience and I'm angry right now, I'm choosing to be angry right now. There's nobody else that's making this choice. I could see this differently. I could see this whole situation without any anger at all. I could just, I, let's say that you're in a meeting, it's like a board meeting or something, you know, and you start to feel angry about it. Stop, look, you know. Listen, what we tell children when they come to a crosswalk, stop, look, listen. And what you're listening to is you're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, you know. Mm-hmm. But you got to stop the angry thoughts in order to make room for the Holy Spirit to give you the right perspective. And then you can, you can then you can just look at the situation. Peace, you know, if you're in a, the Course says, um, whoever is saner at the time should be the one who introduces the peace. And that's, I'm not quoting that exactly right, but there is a phrase who is saying at the time. So let's say mm. we got a couple, and the couple are on the verge of an argument, and one of the members of the other couple is more aware of the danger of falling into the, the trap of really getting angry and getting into a fight with their, their mate, when they could change that right, you could nip it in the bud right away. You could change it, you could take it in a different direction, largely by not feeding it, you know, by not going there, and not adding to this. Somebody once on the phone a couple of years ago uh, that I've worked with some in the past um, was literally trying to get me into an argument on the phone. He kept, he kept trying, and I kept saying to him, I yeah. said, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm sorry, I am not going to argue with you. I just kept, <laughs> you can go on about this all you want, but you're not going to get me, I'm not going to fight you. I'm just not going to fight you. The, the ego does not fight. I mean, the, the ego does fight. The Holy Spirit does not fight. In fact, that's one of the that's one of the characteristics. It's one of the ways you can see about where the choice is, because the ego is going to want to get entangled, and the Holy Spirit is going to. The, the, the line in the course is: there's no dialogue between the ego and the Holy Spirit. There's none, because the Holy Spirit doesn't even recognize the ego. And the reason it doesn't recognize it is because, in truth, in reality, there is no ego. It does not exist at all. So how in the world are you going to get into a fight over something that doesn't exist, right? All right, so let's let's complete this process. So 
is <laughs> I choose the feelings I experience. So I'm the chooser. I'm choosing this experience. I'm choosing to go crazy. Or I'm choosing to remain sane. It's that simple. Let me go right down to it. The third one is I decide upon the goal I would achieve. I am the decider what kind of goals I want to achieve. And I can really do this or I can not do this. Let's say the goal is something that 70% of the world can identify or 70% of Americans can identify with because 70% of our population is overweight. So, okay, I decide, and, and so let's say I have a goal. I'm, I want to lose 10 pounds in X period of time or something. It's very easy to do it if you decide to do it. But you've got to make the decision that you are actually going to do it. And you're going to actually do the things that will make that happen. At a little uh, part of one of the newsletters I sent out at the beginning of the year, I said, let's say that you want to decide that you're going to lose a pound. This is a really easy decision, actually. I'm going to lose one pound this week. Now, that's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. You really <laughs> you can do that, but you've got to put a little bit of conscious effort into it, like get a pair of scales that measure in tenths of a pound, weigh yourself every day, think, what am I? What did I do to make that go up? What made that go down? Keep doing the thing that makes it go down. It can actually be done. But but I decide upon the goal I would achieve. That's a very simple little illustration I'm using. There's other, many, many other goals. I can decide that I want to have more peace in my relationships, which means I'm going to approach things uh, differently. And then mm-hmm. the last of the four, and then I'll let you say something, <laughs> the last of the four uh, is in many ways the biggest one. It is the boy to hit. And the last one is, and everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for. And I receive as I have asked. And it's like, whoa, I ask for this? Well, it's here. So seeing how it's here, some another, I don't know, a single mystical esoteric tradition that doesn't say this place is a school. It said earlier, and that I quote, uh, the power of decision is your last remaining freedom as a mm-hmm. prisoner in this world. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> I sometimes jokingly say, this isn't a prison, it's a reformatory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So what, what we're here to learn, we're here to learn a lesson. We're, we're here to, to experience a, a, a reformation, literally. I, I used to teach. I taught for eight years inside Sing Sing Prison. And this is all during the late 80s and early 90s. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as you pull up to the gate at Sing Sing, there's this big sign that says, Sing Sing, New York State Correctional Institution. And I thought, wouldn't that be nice? I mean, wouldn't it be nice if this really was a place where a correction occurred? We don't even know how to correct ourselves, let alone correct others, especially right. people who've been through some very difficult life circumstances. But we can do it. Anyhow, enough of me going on again. So. No, no, it's wonderful. This is what we're tuning in for, John. <clears throat> um, oh, well. you, you know, I'd like to... Uh, to also bring up another thing, which is that when when we tune into the power of decision and we realize that our decisions have far-reaching impacts, that there really are, uh, we, we can, I, I know for myself, for a long time, I'd be very careless with my decisions. In other words, I would, um, like you're talking about losing weight, and a lot of people talk about mm. that at the beginning of the year. Right. And uh, last week, my uh, the episode was about willpower versus willingness, that willpower is of the ego, willingness oh. is of the spirit. And mm-hmm. um, that when we work with spirit, we have the willingness, we can really shift. So we're mm-hmm. talking about moving into this uh, using decision uh, in 
a in a very loving way the being able to mm-hmm. say if i can make the decision for love i'm going to improve the quality of my life and that there's this um ease and grace that begins to show up for us moment by moment. Uh, But there's the, you know, the ego has this fear of responsibility. I love that you were quoting from the responsibility for sight section, which I quote from all all the time. Uh, Right. uh, It's, it's so key to understand that that that's the best decision we can make really is I am responsible for what I see, but to do it with such a gentleness, like, Hmm. Mm. Okay. So if I'm responsible for what I see, uh, what is the decision that will help me, you know, and bring more love and more light. It's, um, so when you're, you're noticing that you're bothered by something, how do you, Remember to activate the power of decision. Well, and, you know, with time, I think <clears throat> practicing and with practice, 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 this does become clear. So you begin to notice more quickly when your thoughts begin to go off and you start to move into an ego framework. So you can <clears throat> catch yourself and stop it. You catch yourself and stop it. You catch yourself and stop it. You catch yourself and stop it. And, and as soon as you can catch the insanity, and stop it and go the other way, the better the better you are. And that's what mm-hmm. happens when you do this so that you eventually get down to the point where you don't even have to do that because you it's just an automatic. You just you don't even have to consciously get involved and in you just see it and you you just shift it right away into the mm-hmm. right perspective rather than trying to before you get mired into the ego's framework. Right? What we really, what the course is trying to get us to do, <clears throat> it's literally, <clears throat> excuse me, and I mean it's literally thinking with the mind of God. You know, Jesus in the in the, in the Gospels at one point says, "It is it is not I who speak, but it is the Father who speaks through me," mm-hmm. which really means that He had completely given His mind over. So this is a course in mind training. We are Mm -hmm. learning how to think differently, to see differently, to respond to the world differently so that we start having different kind of relationships with the world, relationships that are much improved because we're not doing anything that's going to take them off course. That's just one example. This applies to all aspects of our lives, physical, financial, everything. So you talk about shifting. How do you shift? Go ahead. So you're talking about shifting. How do you shift? Well, first of all, you recognize that you have to. And and secondly, the more, as I said a moment ago, the more you practice it, the more that, that, that you can do it. And often I think the easiest thing is to just be quiet and just to leave the situation uh, alone for a moment so that the the right thing can be there, so the right thing that you need to say to somebody else will come to your mind without a knee-jerk reaction going on. Mm -hmm. There's no need for knee-jerk reactions at all. You would just know. And again, the more you practice, it's like learning how to play a musical instrument. You're not too good at it in the beginning, but the more you practice it, you eventually get to the point where you don't even have to think. I love Itzhak Perlman saying the difference between an um, an amateur and a professional. <clears throat> Is it an amateur practice? He's talking about music now. The amateur practice until they get it right the professional practices until they can't get it wrong. You just can't get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's all about it's all about the practice. Uh, people the are practice. used to hearing me say uh, it's ninety nine percent practice and one percent study. That uh, the book is written in your heart. You can put the book down and start living it, and and then that's when things mm-hmm. are really going to shift. 
You know, I I, right. I, I, I can see by the clock, uh, we don't have a huge mm-hmm. amount of time left. And one of the right. things I'd like to bring up while I've got you here, John, is we're about to announce two events that we have come, coming up in March. We're going to reprise mm-hmm. the teacher training, how to create mm-hmm. and put on a, a workshop. And, uh, and part of that is going to be getting certified to teach my forgive and be free workshop. So more and more people can be teaching forgiveness. So that, that training and then following that training, uh, is a retreat, uh, that's about healing. We're calling it spring clearing healing with forgiveness, miracles, and Kundalini yoga, which I'm uh, a new Kundalini Mm -hmm. yoga teacher. And we've got Lisa Natoli and Corinne Zupko and other teachers joining us in that spring clearing retreat. Both are <laughs> going to be at the Honors Haven Resort in the Catskills. It's a beautiful, huge, beautiful re- resort with indoor pool and spa and lovely, just a lovely place. We have uh, a great rate there that we can offer for these events. So the teacher training, how to lead and cre- create and lead a workshop is um, March 14th, begins on a Thursday and goes to a Wednesday because uh, we found in Arizona that we ran out of time and people uh, were enjoying it so much. So we're extending it this time, six nights, seven days, March 14th to the 20th, and then the uh, retreat, the healing retreat uh, with the Forgiveness, Miracles, and Kundalini is um, the uh, 20th to the 24th. That's with Lisa Natoli and Corinne Zupko joining us. And it just popped into my mind to ask you this question. So when we were in Arizona last year doing the teacher training, uh, all, th- all three teacher trainings that we did last August, uh, you did for the whole 10 days, you did the Kundalini yoga class with me every day. Absolutely. And how, how would you describe that for people who might not be familiar with Kundalini yoga? <laughs> well, all yoga I just find is incredibly helpful and, and, I look at people who are, are older who kind of get hunched over and et cetera, and I think, you know, that doesn't have to happen. That The body can be subtle and supple and, and working just fine, clear up to the very end if we treat it the right way. Well, I'm doing that with my, with my breath, with my stretching, with whatever, with the, with the meditations, and you're a very good teacher because <laughs> I sit in on every one of your classes. So I know what's possible to do that. And <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Somebody sent me an email a day or two ago wanting to, about maybe writing an article on uh, yoga for older people. And I said, sure. Um, I, except I said, but can we bring in A Course in Miracles, et cetera? And he didn't know about that. So that's not, not going <laughs> to happen. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, do it. You're a great teacher. And it works. That's the main thing. It works. You feel better. All the well, way thank you. Yeah. And the thing about Kundalini is it really, Kundalini, as taught by Yogi Bhajan, who's the probably the most famous Kundalini yoga teacher that certainly, for sure, in the Western world mm-hmm. and taught right. thousands of teachers, uh, he said that Kundalini the kundalini energy is the christ energy and so Mm. kundalini yoga is for using that christ energy to cleanse and clear your chakras your whole energy Mm -hmm. system so that you can then be prepared for a really deep uh powerful meditation so that's that's why we're doing it on the retreats Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. because and people love it People love oh, yeah. it, and it's not particularly athletic, so it, it uh, increases flexibility and things like that. But most of what we're doing is not anyone can do. Even if you're, I've had people in classes with me who are sitting in a chair, 
can't sit on the floor mm-hmm. or stretch out that right. way. And they're still doing the class. So it's yeah. pretty cool. So I just wanted to mention those two events that are coming up. Registration's going to open for them this week. Uh, and I'm excited for that. It's going to be a wonderful way to kick off our spring. And the healing retreat, the spring clearing retreat, is uh, actually uh, we're, we're beginning um, with the spring equinox and the full moon. So we're going to have a spiritual hoot nanny. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I know Lisa and Corinne are so looking forward to it. Uh, We're just going to have a wonderful, wonderful time. A lot of fun, a lot of healing, a lot of clearing, a lot of celebration of this this teaching of A Course in Miracles. So, yeah. And uh, we have a couple minutes left here. Power of decision. Any other thing, point that you'd really like for us to know about the power of decision? Well, if you're a Course in Miracles student, uh, I'm sure not everyone is, I, I highly recommend. The Course really is the, the most perfect book um, to come down the pike. I've been teaching courses in philosophy and religion for 50 years, and I just know that there's nothing like it. I mean, there really is nothing like it in terms of its impeccable clarity. Mm. And if you've not done the workbook, I really highly recommend that people do the. And if you've done the workbook, then I highly recommend that people do it again. And the reason for doing it again, because it is so deep, and it just takes you deeper and deeper, and you will see things that you didn't see the first time through or the third time through or the... (laughs) Ken Wapnick once jokingly said, you know, not seven times, 17 times through you about, you probably got it. Now that was a joke. But the truth truth is that it does keep getting deeper and you keep seeing things you didn't see before. I mean, keep in mind where this is going. This is going all the way to enlightenment. We're not stopping in some happy dream somewhere. You know, we're going all the way home. We're going back to God again completely. Now, that may sound like an, an incredible thing to say, and that it's even possible. That's it. But it is. Yes, it's, possible. it's true. Yeah. Let's right. pray on and that. It's time for us okay. to close, so I'm going to invite everyone hand on our heart once again. Thank you, John. So grateful, so thankful for the love of God shining in our mind. In gratitude, we allow it to be, and so it is. Amen. I love you, everybody. Mwah. Have a 